Greetings, Spaceburgers. Welcome to the Space Cave. A big warg to all of you, and particularly, particularly, that's how you pronounce it, to Aaron, our newest Patreon member. This podcast is made possible from contributions from listeners just like you. It's ad-free. We'll hopefully keep it that way. Thank you to Aaron. And a couple of reminders. The Junk Show is the second Sunday of every month in Los Angeles, California, at the Copper Still. If you're wondering when it's going to be and you find yourself in L.A. between the 8th and the 14th of any given month, if it is a Sunday, it's happening. And you can see my animated special uh, One-Headed Beast on Amazon Prime as well as a Roku channel, a variety of other streaming platforms. And uh, we put a ton of work into it. If you want to see some stand-up, it's a little atypical in the way that it's presented, that's a great way to do it. My name is David Huntsberger. You can just search that. It should show up. All right, let's get right into part two with a great guest, a conversation I enjoyed immensely. I hope you did as well. I assume because you're here for part two, you did. Talking about evolutionary biology, psychology, and a variety of other things. Here's part two with Katie Golden. When we left off the last chat, really getting into the discussion between humans and cars and the mm-hmm. difference or lack thereof right. between I also was thinking about maybe this ties in a little together some of the things we were talking about uh, we were talking about people's eccentricities mm-hmm. neurodivergencies yeah. and what what makes you you you'd say you're like I wouldn't trade my OCD yeah say you're a parent you're looking down and they give you the option here's a child who's normal well adjusted maybe gonna grow up and be an accountant, an assurance adjuster, be happy, content, have some hobbies. He or she won't really rock the boat too much. Here's this other kid that's just kind of, as it happens, genetically combined, a human. We don't even know what it is. We just know this other one is probably going to not have these difficulties. And you could list off a, a billion of them. And then what would you decide? Like, oh, if we take our chances with this one and we know maybe our genetics and we know the likelihood of depression or schizophrenia or bipolar, on and on and on. I think to authors and people that I like and and musicians, et cetera, et cetera, and so many of them had things where like if you're looking at that second child, you might go, maybe they would have all these difficulties and have a really rough time. They might also create something that profoundly impacts people. Right. There's a risk they would take their own life later on or something to that effect where you go, would we wish that on a kid? Right. Maybe we'd rather have this insurance adjuster. Yeah. So that balance. But then I think the thing we talked about more with the cars and stuff at the end is the free will aspect of, okay, now we take that kid and we know we're going to give it a lot of love and we're going to, have these markers for things we want to just be there for. We're not going to smoke crack when it's pregnant. We're not going to ignore it from zero right. to one years old, which would impact like its ability to learn language yeah. and motor skill on and on. all these things that we're creating all of these little clicks that would click yes or no 
on until it gets to a point and then we abuse it and then maybe we neglect it and then maybe we let it run around with kids that it should not and we let it stay out too late we let it eat terrible food we do all these awful things there's no guarantee that that kid's gonna be a murderer or drop out of high mm-hmm. school maybe it would still be an insurance adjuster but the likelihood of that is slim right and we would we would know we we would go yeah we we saw those predictors all those right. things happen at every stage of course they're in prison yeah we, we gave it an inferior gaming system and now it's he's a murderer i mean of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it seem like we now that we control it and I, that must be so f- aggravating for parents that are like i don't get it we love this kid we did everything right yeah. and then they sexually assaulted someone or they murdered them or mm-hmm. this is so out of bounds for our family what do we do yeah i mean so i, I think what you're getting at is sort of the classic nature versus nurture debate which is it plagues uh, psychologists and evolutionary biologists alike where you're looking at animal and human behavior and it's very difficult to determine whether a behavior is learned entirely from your environment or is entirely biological you're born with it or if it's a combination of the two and if it is a combination like what are the mecha- like how, what's the balance and like what happened and it's a it's a very difficult debate because it's almost impossible to work backwards from a behavior that someone has like a complex behavior and say like okay like yeah because like you had a bad experience you got hit in the eye with a baseball that's what traumatized you now you have an obsession with anthropomorphic ducks and that's <laughs> how that works out like it's very it's very difficult to trace back behaviors to their their starting point and that's why the that's why the nature versus nurture thing is that debate has raged on so much um the generally widely accepted thing is that with say like a um like a maladaptive behavior like going around and stealing a bunch of chickens and doing unmentionable things with the chickens uh it it would be a combination of your physiology like what you're born with which is like the in the sort of the psychology model is like that would be the diathesis and then the environmental thing that that like maybe neglect and then that's the stress so like you have a jeffrey dahmer right and he goes around murdering people and he was neglected as a kid and he like spent his time like hanging out with roadkill and being fascinated by dead animals because he was neglected um but you know a lot of kids are neglected and not all of them grow up to become murderers and serial killers so it's i think yeah it's it is a very complex mixture of environment and what you're born with and i do think like i think while it's rare i mean it is possible for and i'm sure i mean there are documented cases of like someone who's like a serial killer who had a totally normal upbringing you know yeah um so it it does happen i would say on the whole most people who have an extreme behavioral problem like killing people generally that's a behavioral problem (laughs) well you know it's an extreme one an extreme one you know it's it's up there on top behavioral problems but like uh i would say for the most part there would be some environmental problems leading to that i would say but you know like i think it's uh it is it's like such a such a complex thing i mean even in um 
even with animals like you can see a behavior like there's this these macaques who uh, live in Japan who wash uh, yams like they take a yam and they wash it uh, in salt water which cleans cleans the yams and it also gives them a nice salty taste and they love it mm-hmm. they love the salt and it's just this one group of macaques so if you saw this and you're just like an observant casual observer of these and you're like okay so these have evolved to want you know, like salt is a is a good mineral to get in your diet and they've evolved to do this behavior mm-hmm. where they they dip the the yams into the salt water and this is an evolutionary trait where you had like one that like figured out how to do this or did a behavior similar to it and then that that uh, monkey bred and made more monkeys that would do this behavior and that's like one way to look at it but the truth of this the actual thing that caused this is there was one monkey and, and this is the real story which is there was one monkey uh, who did this and she just happened to I get like washing the yams is a pretty common behavior with these monkeys but like washing it in salt water is very different and she happened to wash it in the salt water and took a bite and she's like hey this is great and then yeah. she like usually Usually the babies learn from their adults or their parents, like especially the mother, like these behaviors, like the washing stuff. And and she passed that on to her daughter. And like there's also other observers, like other uh, macaques who were watching this and going like, hey, that's interesting. And then Mm -hmm. they all learned it. And now, even though the original innovator of the salted yams is long passed away, this group of monkeys still does this behavior because they learned it. And it's been a cultural evolution rather than a, a physiological like a um a, their brains changing in some way and so like that's it's so, like in this case you actually had us there like human beings observing at the moment of this cultural meme catching on so yeah. we know how it happened but you multiply that by like you know uh, huge periods of times like hundreds of thousands of years and then you'll see primates with some complex behavior and it's like okay are they born with this behavior or is this something that's like basically passed down through monkey society or is a result of their environment and you know how do you par- parse that out it's very difficult and of course it's an incredibly difficult with humans because we have such complex brains and such complex societies it can almost be impossible sometimes Yeah, and yeah it's, it's very very complex issue that you bring up that to me all all these like buzz terms that feel very divisive these days i think on a clinical kind of just especially primate level with us being a very advanced one Mm -hmm. um a fancy monkey a fancy (laughs) monkey that we're if we just had that really imprinted in society more like guys we're just barely above monkeys we're we're (laughs) We're just just very fancy monkeys do you think there's a like pornography being as popular as it is is not because like people have this dark side or something there's there's a very chimp like desire i think for people to engage in things that are a little like why does my stupid brain like this thing but cultural appropriation or sharing or representation on a different like if that macaw left and went to a different environment and tried to show them like you're gonna love this check it out yeah would that would that group go no we don't like it we don't like the salty taste or would they go we have the same palate bringing it back to that same taste buds it depends and it could also depend on like how welcoming that other group of monkeys is to the innovator monkey if they don't like like if they don't trust her maybe they won't 
follow her example. Uh, it's that's the case with like so see, even seagulls, which we don't consider. And I would almost I would expand that. I wouldn't talk about us having um, chimp brains necessarily. I would just say we got to remember humans are a type of animal. Like we are yeah. an a very like like a lot of animals, like elephants, dolphins, um, more intelligent birds, apes. Like we're a very complex animal, and that's not there's nothing to be ashamed of, of being an animal but we are an animal like we're not you know uh, I mean any living creature is going to have any anything with a brain really is going to have weird stuff that goes on yeah um, so these so seagulls will communicate through their horrible sounding screeches no uh, <laughs> their, their, their calls and if they don't trust a seagull like if they find a seagull who they think gives out a lot of false alarm calls and they don't like oh my god Dennis like again with the false alarm call they, they I swear to this time no guys can't fool me this time Dennis you idiot old Denny finally hit on one everyone fly no, away no Denny did not hit on one nope no nope. we're in danger and I finally called it fool. I'm the hero I always thought I was fool me once shame on you a fool a fooled ghoul can't get fooled again <laughs> but yeah it, it isn't it is fascinating the kind of interpersonal relationships between animals and how that can really uh impact their lives i mean just like humans you know you trust the wrong person and whoops nuclear <laughs> devastation <laughs> i saw this there's a documentary called bird brain mm -hmm. on pbs phenomenal oh cool and i think a lot of the I, one i feel like people that have the people that listen to this show or your show I that naturally like it I feel like are very lucky because I feel like I'm the type of person that I have to push myself to read more to invest in my time into things that are more educational rather than just sports and things like yeah. that to be like again chimp brain like but this team traded this player and like it's a little more elevated, I suppose, than fighting and things like that. I but. also, uh, personally, as as a total dork and nerd, I would say I am totally sick of the whole thing of like I'm too smart for sports. Like, oh yeah, no, that's I, crazy. I, don't, I think sports are cool. I mean, I'm personally, full disclosure, I'm not like super into watching sports, but it looks really rad and complicated to me. I mean, I, I don't necessarily always understand sports, but that's not because <laughs> the sports are dumb. It's because I haven't invested the time to understand it. And I think it's it's a cool it's a cool hobby. Other than the CTE, the repeated head injuries, that's not great. Yeah. Um, and like other sort of systemic problems. But other than that, like once you once you cure that, like once you <laughs> stop having head injuries, I see nothing, nothing beneath. Sports are not like lowly things they're, they're really cool seeing like these incredible feats of athleticism and planning and stuff yeah. I think that's all really cool and complicated I um, think it's on a lot of levels the greatest example of human cooperation yeah. teamwork is a, is we use it in other fields to describe yeah. success great teamwork everybody it comes from that but yeah. everyone combining their resources and talents with a common goal and to go back to what we were talking about with brain stuff if you're caught up in your own mind yeah. when you have a very singular thing that's very fast paced where you're brain can't really wander off it's great yeah it's a very valuable thing so yeah. <coughs> but anyway bird brain is bird uh, <laughs> one of the things in it that was so great <coughs> are these crows and maybe it was at harvard your old stomping grounds i don't remember where the study was done but a guy went out 
and he trapped a crow. And then sounds like a Harvard thing to do, honestly. (laughs) And then he took it away. He went out with a Neanderthal mask on Mm -hmm. and he took the crow in the cage and showed it to all the birds. And then he took it away, Mm. put it, you know, in a maybe a day or two. And then he brought it back out same Neanderthal mask let it go from the cage it flew up and then he just studied it for the next few months and years he would put on the Neanderthal mask and just wander around the campus yeah and the birds would they would caught but then it continued for generations for years beyond because the crows are teaching each other that this person is a bad person yeah because they will they are very social crows Here's a way to tell the difference between a raven and a crow. Crows love to party with each other. <laughs> ravens have a more toned down affair, like two or three ravens typically really? together. If you see a huge group of things that look like maybe crows or ravens, probably is crows. They love a party. Uh, so they <laughs> love to hang out together, and they're highly, highly social, highly intelligent. And I know this study. Now, I don't know which like specific one. There may have been repeat studies. I think one of the studies was at... Uh, University of Washington I don't know Uh, but it it was uh, yeah like a guy wearing a mask and actually wait no I think this must have been a different one because I think the the Washington one it was like he was wearing a George Bush mask (laughs) or Dick Cheney mask no no I think it was Dick Cheney and the birds hated the Dick Cheney mask so just like (laughs) training them to hate Dick Cheney which is great but yeah so the, the crow will scold the person which is the scientific term for the crow scolding the person and will is like cawing in a in a particularly scolding fashion sometimes they swoop at at you menacingly and the younger birds or the birds who are new to this behavior will watch them and be like oh we don't like that guy do we well i'll do it too and then they and they learn it and then the older crows who knew to hate dick cheney die off and then the younger crows who are like well i learned from pappy crow like that we hate Dick Cheney. And then the younger crow, like the little teenage crow is like, we hate Dick Cheney. All right. We hate Dick Cheney. Yeah. And so it goes on and on and on. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it lasts that, that hatred of a guy wearing a Dick Cheney mask, like lasts for generations as it should, but should. <laughs> not to get political. <laughs> you really, we love Dick Cheney on this show. Oh, damn it. Didn't you see that poster behind you? Very, yeah, yeah. I, I did think it was odd how how detailed his chest hairs were, but whatever. <laughs> I worked forever on those. <laughs> um, weird that the things we pass on, which mm-hmm. are like cultural memes that society would have, like everyone knows how to go to a stadium and do the wave. Yeah, it's such a weird one that, like, all right, here's your first time. <laughs> Keep an eye on it. We're gonna stand now, son. This is an important part of growing up. You gotta <laughs> but, learn how to do the wave. <laughs> but then we also pass on. If you think of like you and I waking up and there's uh, some sort of disaster mm-hmm. and then we're like okay well we can probably procure water I think we can figure out a way to like create a spear mm-hmm. maybe figure out how to throw it at whatever's still living fish or something to that effect the very basics would make sense but then the shoulders that we stand on mm-hmm. for I mean this technology that we're talking into right. now is insane yeah we would never establish that yeah so so many things that we pass on through generations make sense yeah to the ease of our life you know and it's in- interesting how a lot of information gets lost too like i know a lot of languages get lost as you know people from those societies either die off or (laughs) 
excuse me, are sort of subsumed by another society, but also uh, skills like, I mean, this is a this is a personal story of like my um, on my dad's side, my great grandpa either two greats or one great grandpa on my dad's dad's side was had this very specific like book binding skill and he taught my grandpa but my grandpa didn't teach my dad or was like gonna teach my dad and never got to it or something but like and now my dad is like it's really sad because like I like and, and these like the the books about the book binding which is <laughs> ironic when you think about it yeah. how do you where where did the books start <laughs> they were but, bound poorly <laughs> and they fell apart uh, exactly yeah the the books that are on book binding ironically couldn't be bound <laughs> until you read the book on book binding and therefore they were lost to the wind but yeah so now it's like this like just in a couple generations i guess this book binding technique uh i don't know if it was proprietary like specific or something but it's lost you know yeah it's gone gone. there's stories with like the golden book binding technique the the (laughs) trick is rat spit (laughs) is it come to think of it no that book's gone and we'll never know what if it was something like just disgusting yeah like the finest books are <laughs> the finest books are bound in human flesh <laughs> you know that goop that comes out of your eyes um the uh the like celtic traditional stuff or i think gay like people that spoke it you know had to like, really bring it back kind of going like oh it's disappearing so we're forcing ourselves yeah. to learn it and have these meetup groups where we speak it so that we yeah. can pass it on generationally and it, luckily that does exist if you come from a culture and maybe you do a 23 and me and you're like damn it i'm bringing back that weird ass type of dancing <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is that we keep them going but is any of it valuable the technology we have, I guess, to some degree, you could make an argument that it's making our lives worse. So then that level of psychology is fascinating that we're doing everything to make life easier all the time. Mm-hmm. And yet people seem statistically to be less satisfied. I mean, value is completely arbitrary and set. But, well, not arbitrary, but it is completely determined by the person defining it wow i said a lot of words without saying anything at all but you know what i mean so value you were like is stroking a fake beard <laughs> as you said that uh yeah, i i'm really pulling a politician here and just saying a bunch of words that kind of vaguely hint at a sentiment but don't actually say anything <laughs> uh no it, it's like value so like to me say a hand crocheted Garfield doll who is extremely muscular thanks to this wonderful person on Twitter who sent it to me is extremely valuable. It's priceless. Um, and I, I would figure to most people it's also extremely valuable and priceless. But to me it is especially valuable because of the connection I have to having a swole Garfield because it was a character in a D&D campaign where I played a cat person which is a race I guess you can play in Dungeons and Dragons but it was very a huge muscular cat whose name was Garfield and so I have this thing and you know I see this doll and I it has all of this arbitrary meaning to me right it's high in value and that's all the personal value so like the value of saving a cultural dance like that's I mean it's valuable if people find value in it essentially I mean every all of our there's like value that's like I guess, um, 
how would you define it? Because there's like a value in thing that is like, quote unquote, practical, right? Like medicine, mm-hmm. like helps you not die, which is good. But you have another thing like art, which is to say like, oh, well, art's not valuable because it's not practical. It's like, well, why are we, why did the medicine keep me alive just to stand here in stasis <laughs> and not do anything? Well, no, I mean, like the whole purpose of having the practical values of society is so we can enjoy the quote unquote impractical values of society like art and book binding and oh, that's that great um, Garfields. <laughs> Dead Poet Society quote, Robin Williams, like mm. the medicine the law these are noble professions and worth the effort but romance beauty poetry love these are the things we stay alive for yeah yeah Perfectly i'm just sum- ripping off robin williams as, <laughs> as 90% of my career is yeah <laughs> no but i i, I mean it's it, you said it in such a concise way that we don't really analyze it from a lot of angles we yeah. know that intuitively it seems like that why are we i i think the finding the balance between kind of a zenness to value. Right. This was your great grandmother's coffee table. Well, it's right. ugly. It's got all these frills <laughs> Burn on it. it. <laughs> I don't need it. But how could you? Like, cause yeah. it, it all moves on. Yeah. It, someone just now, like the, that shit ass wall is being built in along the Arizona border across ancient burial grounds currently. Oh, the, the, the racist wall of racism? The racist wall. Um, and yeah, no one and cares it's also, about it's this. also uh, apparently like some of the wall of Trump's wall of, of dumb racism and, and, and crappiness. Yeah, well, no, well, yeah, it did. That is true. <laughs> but it's also they want to blow up the organ pipes of the Sonoran Desert, which is a bunch of these beautiful cacti and hills and it is i mean like they do look like these cacti look like organ pipes because Mm -hmm. of how vast they are and these i mean a lot of cacti can be like hundreds of years old and it's so i don't even know how to describe it there's a profound sickeningness to the fact that first of all you're going to destroy this national monument which it is Mm -hmm. literally a national monument of ancient uh geology and these these or the beautiful cacti all in the name of destroying human lives by you know cutting us off from from other human beings and it's like i don't i think sometimes there's a little bit of like people only care when it's like oh we destroyed this national monument well that's bad it's like well that it's true it's certainly bad makes me sick but it's also the the fact that we destroy people's lives and try to demonize um undocumented migrants and they're dying in uh, detention centers and we're also just basically closing ourselves off to empathy is also disgusting and so it's just disgust added to disgust and but that comes into the zenness that we have to, i think you want every generation raising children hoping that you can right. instill in them a beauty and a wonder and a desire to make it better and then you think back to any period in human history and the atrocities that were happening whether it was over land battles right. or religious freedoms as the people that will persecute others will always call it we just want our freedoms and we're going to cut off your head to do it but like <laughs> please give us these well freedoms. now your head is free of your body I don't know what you're complaining about <laughs> this is what we all want yeah. but to watch all of these things happen happen and now we're seeing it and some of it is some people had to really decide on their value that own property down there that had ecosystems Mm -hmm. beyond just like oh there's some trails that people are using but there's also a lot of 
foul and game and et cetera mm-hmm. that uses it. And the government is forcing me to sell my property, eminent domain. Yeah. And so these people, they're like, I live here because I don't want to mess with the government or hear from them. Yeah. But I like this guy's thinking. Yeah. But so. I, I, it's like, is your hatred of other people stronger than your desire to like keep your home <laughs> and your view yeah I and imagine your <laughs> view now is so atrocious it is it is crazy i mean it is crazy what a i mean we're, we were talking about drugs earlier but what a what an incredibly toxic drug hatred can be it, it can just totally change the way your brain is wired in the same way that like a, a, a substance can because it, it's like your own best interest becomes secondary to feeding that that hatred that addiction to hating someone like i've literally seen thing and you know like people writing stuff like you know i i can't wait to see people being upset after this election and i I mean i would obviously i think like i'm not gonna pretend to be unbiased here like i i hate i really really hate Trump and I am, you know, a leftist. If you couldn't tell by all of my my careful phrasing of words to be inclusive and kind, <laughs> um, but like, uh, but you know, I I do sometimes see just like. I mean, and I don't want to both sides it because obviously it comes more from Trump supporters, but you know, it's not always exclusively Trump supporters where it's like this thing of like, I can't wait to see people like cry or, or suffer after yeah. this election. It's like, well, is that really the goal? Like, why is that? It's almost like I think some people that old, the, the old like cutting off your nose to spite your face, like it was really applicable because it's like they, they're, whole thing and they've been taught this they've been fed this addictive substance of hatred that like the way you feel better is through hating other people and to make their lives suck more and and it's not that people are stupid it's that people are it's like an addictive substance where you're like okay so i have some sadness in my life how do i treat that well i treat it with maybe alcohol maybe i treat it with a substance or maybe i hate another person and i blame my sadness on this person so if i can make them suffer then i'm less sad and i don't say that to say that racists and bigots and people who are hateful like are to abdicate them of responsibility to say like oh well they only deserve our sympathy and not of course not like i think like to be bigoted like you are you know allowing yourself to buy into that and i think that that should you know i will judge you for that for sure (laughs) but i think it, it is true that like that that hatred that that sort of being able to pick a target and just hate them it's addictive in a really dark way isn't it i think of projects i think humans have an inherent desire you know if you're writing a film trilogy you're very busy you know focusing on that if you're pursuing a phd in something you're you're busy people get up every day and go and discuss and deliberate over sports minutiae trying to trying to solve it trying to figure mm-hmm. out who's the greatest of all time what's the best team what who's going to win this year and it's absolutely meaningless mm-hmm. but then people stumble on a thing that <clears throat> they feel is solvable like QAnon is the most genius thing <laughs> anyone ever came up yeah. with to just give these idiots something to chase around like 43 and 2 if you combine them and then subtract one third of the number with yeah. that we equals love, the di- we love puzzles we love problem solving which can, is very it's very enticing when it's like comes to conspiracy theories absolutely and I, I mean I see like yeah I, I of course have 
my own conspiracy theory, which is mayonnaise is just sandwich lotion and it shouldn't be a food. But, you know, well, it's, it's not pushed a by food. Big Mayo. It's like an edible again, again, condiment. Sandwich lotion. And you cannot convince me that it's any structurally, molecularly different than a bottle of Jergens. Like, but I, it's not, it doesn't absorb into a bread the same way lotion would disappear on your skin. It's mm-hmm. still there. Mm-hmm. 40 bites in, you're like, it's a there's bad mayonnaise. lotion. It's a, uh, yeah. It's a well, bad sandwich lotion. Very it's more oily. Like and, a Vaseline or something. Yeah, sandwich Vaseline. <laughs> you put it in your mouth. Come on, people. But yeah, I mean, it's delicious. I, it I lubricates. Mean, oh, I mean, you want to just eat bread and dried turkey? What are you this doing? This is a government propaganda to get people <laughs> to, like, once you convince people to use a sandwich lotion, they're open to anything. So now we have a hatred <laughs> that we could pursue. And exactly. It, it's and it's addictive even, for me to be a hated to hate mayonnaise. But imagine if you pursued that and it mm-hmm. w- is it necessarily your hatred for me? Because everyone says mm-hmm. that. I, I don't want to take sides here. Like, I love everyone, but they we got to build the wall and kick these assholes out. Right. Like, well, that sounds like hatred. And right. they all talk like this, folks. <laughs> and from kids that are, we were raised with animation. We know good and bad through right. voices in a character. And this voice is always a bad yeah, character. Yeah. Always. Or British, if you're like the sort of the Jeremy Irons kind of voice of like, like, no, I'm not evil, am I? Mm. I always think of that character. I think of the type of things you can't Google. Mm-hmm. Like, how many questions are there you can't? One of them is that, like, these animated characters that would, or movie characters, physical, real life, would pick up a sword or, like, a little dagger and then look at someone near them and go, This certainly looks sharp. I wonder if it works. And jab it into <laughs> someone. Like, that's a character we feel like we know. Like, that's a very Jeremy Irons yeah, guy. Yes. Yeah, Were there people like, like that in history? It certainly I'm does sure, work. I'm sure there were. I mean, people who are like, who, me, murder you? No. <laughs> By no, I mean yes. Look, I'm currently murdering you. You've just been murdered. <laughs> and then we know that character because, again, growing up. Mm-hmm. But then the, the, the hatred that comes, I think it's just problem solving. And I think you get yeah. caught up in the team aspect of, that's where I try to remove myself and be like, either I hate everyone. Mm-hmm. I hate the whole, I hate humanity. I hate this world. I would would blow it up in a mm-hmm. second I, you can feel that way and be like there's some cathartic <laughs> elements to that or like I love everyone and they yeah. mean well and they mean well and I have empathy for everyone one of them is much easier than the other I think that you can also again like I hate being like the truth is somewhere in the middle because that's like my most detested trope of all because it's like a coward's way out but saying having said that maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle get out get yeah. out of here no I mean like I, I do think that like I I would say that hate is something that, you know, you will, like, I mean, like, here's an example. I hate Hitler, you know? I hate mm-hmm. him. He sucks. But didn't he need empathy? He no, was an artist. He, he was no, trying no, no, no. if he'd gotten no, hugged once more. He, once just he to play just, Hitler's no, advocate no, no, here. No, 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 Once he started genociding people, he deserved the hate. But here's the thing. is like No, I'm saying pre that. Pre, well, sure. Well, sure. I mean, again, okay, we're not having a would you go back and kill baby Hitler thing. Well, it sounds like you are. I wouldn't kill baby Hitler. I would kidnap him and... And hug him? I, I guess so. Sure. Come on. He wasn't Hitler yet. Like, I, why is the option always kill kill baby Hitler and not just like that's what I mean he needed the empathy that you're now giving him but we're talking about baby Hitler now see I didn't want to have a baby (laughs) Hitler discussion damn it you tricked me no but like I think anger anger is not always a negative thing so like being angry at say Trump or Mitch McConnell to name a couple of 
Those are my boys. A couple of boys. <laughs> but like, yeah. I <laughs> my mean, just, To be angry at people who do harm, right? I don't think it's always negative to be angry, to have that like anger. Because like that is a motivating thing. Like I'm angry that they are putting kids in cages on the border. So I'm, I'm angry. I'm going to go protest. Mm-hmm. And that is anger, I think, born out of an understanding of empathy and an understand and a respect for humanity. Whereas like hating a, I don't know, just like, like being addicted to even like someone who maybe deserves your hatred like uh, i don't know uh, uh, mr peanut um <laughs> you know like you know mr peanut is a tr- truly loathsome detestable character who deserved to die and i'm not sad and i am frustrated that it came at, back as a baby peanut and i the baby nut i would go back in time and kill baby nut yeah. saying it here on the, the podcast i don't even like you saying that name you're buying into baby the branding nut? no it's terrible it's terrible cut all this bleep it all out and replace it with something else so that they don't get any free pr because i hate it i hate the whole ad campaign so and frankly their terrible. peanuts have gotten terrible the last few oh, years they're they're hard and like they had they're those peanut the ones that are kind of wrinkled and you bite into it and it's like sour peanut yeah sour peanuts so i hate these sour peanuts it, but even though it deserves that hate, right? Mm-hmm. It is an addictive hatred. It's like, it's not so productive. You chose Mr. Peanut. Your eyes darted around for a while like something hateable. Who, Let me think. Who, Mr. Peanut. Hmm. Yeah, Mr. Peanut. But yeah, like it, it is a, but it's not that kind of hatred where I'm just like stewing about Mr. Peanut and how much I hate his stupid face. It's not productive necessarily. Like it's not galvanizing me to go out and protest Mr. Peanut. Um, but like if I channel that into sort of a righteous fury and go out and protest Mr. Peanut and say down with baby nut. Mm-hmm. A lot of Bleeped people. it again. Again. I hate it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. It is it is a gray area between between not constructive hatred and constructive righteous anger. It's a, And people confuse them and sometimes they bleed into each other and what am i gonna what am i gonna say i can't solve all the problems <laughs> <laughs> but that's where i want you to be the solution because no please the don't. psychology and especially the the evolutionary biology of humans how do we get mm-hmm. to this point where we need to have sides we need to have a team if you break down politics into who can live here and who can right. make money i think that's all all any politics right. hey can i be here can i make money right and then people go no you shouldn't you don't have this yeah you didn't qualify and the other people are like i think they should yeah that's it so one side goes which has nothing at all to do with skin color the end racism yeah. over <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i, I mean yeah, I, I sometimes I get frustrated with, and this seems odd for someone who has studied evolutionary biology and psychology, but I, I get frustrated with evolutionary psychology because there are a lot of fallacies that get tossed around a lot, especially like pop evolutionary psychology. Like I don't, I don't particularly care for that Jordan Peterson fellow. Mm-hmm. I, I find his ideas sort of bad <laughs> here's, here's one I'd like to elaborate on in case people don't know who he is I've only seen a little bit of him he got stirred up in this thing because it was edited poorly from a Vice interview he did mm-hmm. and he was talking about how we don't know really 
uh, over the course of 40 years or so. We don't have a lot of data on when men and women working together, but, you know, women wear lipstick, they wear blush. These are to simulate uh, their sexual desires. Their, mm-hmm. their lips flush when you are sexually attracted to someone, the blush. So, and they maybe wear clothing that is revealing men in these situations that are convicted and or accused of sexual uh, misconduct of any sort should they be held accountable and then I get so frustrated that people go yeah that is a good point dude bro that's a good <laughs> that's point. a really spot on Jordan Peterson impression by the way is that's it good. I no, feel like it was good, too butch for him well it's a good well it is a little you, you it should have been maybe a little readier but you did get the the douchebag Canadian down pretty good uh, <laughs> not to say I'm not saying I'm not saying all the Canadians or even most or many Canadians are douchebag I'm saying there is a particular sound to a douchebag Canadian. <laughs> I get to say it because half my family is Canadian. Okay. Um, but he left out a glaring thing there to me, which I feel like Cana- comedians are always, to me, the ones that like examine mm-hmm. stuff and go, wait, what? Like, yes, women can wear high heels that that certainly are yeah. provocative, but you're in a suit, homie. Like, yeah. That's also like a well, provocative you know, it's interesting. thing. I actually did an episode of Creature Feature where I featured this particular stupid argument from Jordan Peterson and the idea that red lips signal arousal. There have been studies on whether redness, that sort of flushed redness, is actually um, associated with um, arousal and genitals. And they didn't find a connection between, because like that's another one of these things, which is like, ooh, men like red cars and red things because it looks like a lady's private <laughs> um, and of course like no they found no connection between the the uh, preference for red and the preference for like they made like a basically computer generated uh, uh, vaginas and then like some of them were redder than others and like there was no preference for like redder <laughs> genitals give me that real uh, red one <laughs> and also throughout human history lipstick ha- and blush and this stuff has been used Used by both men and women and for uh, like kind of like th- there have been different shades of colors been used like there's been like an ancient I think an ancient Rome orange was super in yeah. don't tell me that women's lips turn orange when they're aroused <laughs> um, and different colors um, certain colors were uh, consi- like came in and out of style like right now Red is not like necessarily the top lip color, yeah. even like purples are in nudes are in like the yeah. sort of like skin tone colors. There's all sorts of colors. Personally, I like a sort of a spinach mix. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, we've established that we don't particularly care for his logic and right. that can be met with some, um, Skepticism because people go like it's a carte blanche thing. But he taught at Harvard. He's so smart. He went to Harvard. Therefore, wait, did he teach? Wasn't he a professor or something like that? I don't think uh, psychology guy. Harvard. He may have been a. Well, wait. Let's look this up because I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to talk. He may have. But we don't particularly. He is a professor. (laughs) I don't know why I'm getting all defensive. Like, no, he didn't. (laughs) But why was it that we brought him up? That you brought up. Because I was saying, oh, oh, right. Because evolutionary um, psychology 
like especially pop evolutionary psychology can also can often have these real whiffs in logic where it's like uh like the problem i was talking about earlier about how hard it is to look at a behavior and backtrack it to evolutionary causes like you can do that and of course like the whole study of animal behavior and evolutionary biology you need to do a lot of that but it can it's full of pitfalls it's extremely difficult so to say oh you know these these dames they wear red lipstick because they they want to look sexually attractive and can you blame a man for like checking out that day like that's a terrible misuse of evolutionary psychology to try to uh you're ignoring all of this you're cherry picking this evidence right and you're ignoring all of this other cultural and research evidence that would indicate otherwise and only cherry picking the stuff that seems to indicate that you know like hey you know these names they say they they don't want you know to be sexually harassed but they're wearing high heels you yeah know? yeah and i mean it is yeah it's just kind of like well i mean uh the other i guess the other issue with that is uh, aside from the it being inaccurate it's also kind of like yeah i mean like you said he's wearing a suit that has like with a suit the way the suit is tailored is to make the shoulders look right. kind of broader and more angular and uh you know, like like men comb their hair and practice good hygiene, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And you know, and maybe as a, a three piece suit, and the right. vest is tight, makes right. him look a makes little him, thinner than he or is, makes a little him more look, yeah, in makes shape. him look more triangular and yeah. like you know, sort of these things that are to make the men look more sexually attractive. That doesn't mean <laughs> that you can just you know smack the bum of any man <laughs> wearing a suit. It is also fine to want to look attractive, and in fact. Sometimes we try to look attractive, not for the opposite sex or the sex that we're attracted to, but for, you know, our peers that we aren't necessarily attracted to. Like women often like to, uh, you know, dress not like I know that I sometimes put a little extra effort in when I'm hanging out with a bunch of women because I'm like, they'll notice. They'll, they, <laughs> they'll notice it more, um, not because they are genetically engineered to notice more but just culturally speaking they're more yeah uh they're they are more in that that kind of culture of the like best. makeup skills and stuff so they'll see it more they'll spot it more yeah the best example of that is that there are eyelash length commercials i've never heard a single man in my life right. be like she has the best eyelashes <laughs> i've never heard even remotely right. close to that and yet that's a in an industry and like, and men too like with like fancy watches like i, I i've never heard a woman uh, not to say this doesn't happen of course my experience is not everyone's but i've personally never heard a woman like did you see the watch on that guy though <laughs> you see the watch on that guy though yeah. he is so good such a nice watch like real real bangable watch he's got there <laughs> yeah i mean and it's like it's okay that like we try to impress our peers and impress even it's still okay to like try to look attractive for the opposite sex even if you don't want to have sex with them like there you are trying to make a good impression on someone and because we are humans because we're an animal that's very complex with a bunch of different sort of social uh 
mechanisms it's okay that we're like yeah i want to smell good i want to look good i want to look good to my peers who i'm not attracted to i want to look good to my peers who maybe i'm attracted to but i i I just want to have a professional relationship with i don't want any actual like relationship with them but i I just want to look good and i like to look at myself in the mirror and look nice like you know i think that's like fine and it doesn't mean that you're just like well in that case i get one touch of your bum (laughs) i hope you're okay when you go into work and lean over to do anything is that is your let's see did you oh my god you contoured that means you want me to touch your bum (laughs) i mean i'd be crazy not to reference it as we're both in the conference room (laughs) right exactly i mean I think it's people get so weird when it comes to human sexuality as if it's this thing that's like, I don't know, it's like given it's both given way too much importance. And it's also kind of flattened into this like unidimensional thing where it's like, I don't know, I could launch into a whole complex thing, but I think in general, people just need to chill out a little bit about it. <laughs> like, I, the, like seeing Jordan Peterson have a whole speech about the redness of her lips makes her look look sexually excited. It's just like, and ha- has like a whole like like thing thing about like, well, and that's why women are hypocrites. And it's like, <laughs> man, you've really put way too much effort into like obsessing over like whether women are hypocrites for wearing lipstick. It's kind of... It's the project thing. Yeah, you start yeah. digging in and you start making points right. to yourself that make sense that yeah. you feel like you can qualify and go, these are data points. Right. Which is, it's interesting because it's a great human quality when it comes to legitimate research like if like researchers who are like actually I want to study lipstick and and study human behavior around lipstick that's obsessive and might I say weird but it's constructive in a way (laughs) Um, I mean like one thing I've I've learned through doing a lot of research into subjects that sometimes I'm not that familiar with for the creature feature podcast is how insane researchers can be and I say this very lovingly well sometimes lovingly not across the board but definitely like you like this on on this week's show it's about weird animal friendships and there, there are these researchers who are looking at the friendship between a tarantula and this little tiny frog that the tarantulas do not eat and they just make friends with and they skinned one of the friend frogs like they took off its skin and tied it to a frog that the tarantula normally eats good lord right and then they saw they're like okay and then they gave these like ed Gein frogs to the tarantulas <laughs> and the tarantulas like looked at these frogs and they're like I think you're my friend and it's like the or I hope the tarantula was like did you put Steve's skin on this guy that I do <laughs> no, hate no, they were fooled by these these like fake really? frog skins yeah ah, that's and a shame. The, I mean it's like it's gotta be a freaky experience for both the tarantula and the frog like the tarantula is like hey Frank wow you're looking a little weird and then the frog is like gotta play along or he's gonna get eaten he's like Yes, it is I, Frank. <laughs> Don't mind the droopiness of my face. That is, uh, I have a cold. <laughs> you sound different, dude. No, it's okay. Listen, I've been doing a new kumbacha 
sort of uh, cleanse the kombucha. Is that how you do it? Anyways, cleanse has made my skin sag a little bit. Do, do you remember what we were talking about last week? We were just hanging out. Listen, once you go on a kombucha cleanse, it really just like kind of obliterates your memory for the, oh, I would say as long as we've known each other. Really? Oh, that throws off a lot of, I had a lot of <laughs> other um, <laughs> security checks I was going to run, but do you remember my sister's name by chance? Kombucha? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it wasn't you. My thought, though, would be that I'd go, hey, you're clearly not Fred. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to eat you. Know that I want to. It's so creepy that you're wearing that skin. Right. So how could a researcher fully know that that was the reason the tarantula didn't? Yes, you can't. You know, you can't get inside the brain of a tarantula. You yeah. can't ever know what it is like to be a tarantula. Unless you're like Daniel Day-Lewis and like dress as a tarantula and really become the yeah. tarantula. Yeah. Uh, you know, but most most researchers are not method actors. So uh. oh, I was thinking about that during the discussion on consciousness and what exa- mm-hmm. you know if there is some sort of afterlife thing. I would really because we give names to things we treat cars and things like yeah. that that they are. Uh, you know, come on, Betsy, or whatever it might be, that you would die and then be in this place where you go, I don't recognize you. Who are you? Like, I was your bike in first grade. (laughs) And what form would, like, they would just take, like, a human form? No, they would just be kind of this vapor. A vapor. But they would, you could hear, you could... Like a vaguely anthropomorphic vapor. Yeah, more that you could intuitively know what they were saying. It didn't need to be a mouth and eyes, just the vapor would kind of fluctuate and you'd go... fourth dimensional stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I dig it. I, I would love to um, meet my computer in the afterlife and be like, what was up with all those things? You know, all those times when I was like, hey, you know, like, please don't crash right now. Like, whoa, what was your... <laughs> I'm a goof. I, mean, I, if I'm I knew you were just goofing with me. I was trying me. to, like, let it. you know. I knew I, it. Because it seemed like in the most urgent times when I really needed you to load, like, I was about to show someone a funny video, and then it just, like, hung up on, like, the loading bar that maybe you were goofing with me. Right, because if I don't, if I just <laughs> do my job, then you think I'm not even remotely mm. sentient that I'm just I this see. collection so I had you, to it was do a it cry, it was a cry for attention then right I and see. I had to do it when you were paying attention I see, I see. so many times at night wow. I was like doing these morse code yeah. blinks and stuff you were asleep oh, you that's didn't kind of a, that's kind of a terrifying thought that that there, there are these consciousness like in the machine and it's like a cry for help like when it kind of like glitches out it's like you know saying like no I'm alive I'm here <laughs> please stop downloading porn on me <laughs> please don't don't close the lid. That's the only joy I get. No. You never take me anywhere. Leave the lid open. I can see through the eye thing. There's a breadcrumb near my hinge. No, wait. <laughs> where, um, so you went to Harvard for undergrad? Did you go yes. to graduate school? No, I didn't. Where, where are you from? How did you want to go to Harvard? Was that a big well, deal? I mean, so I was, I'm from San Diego. grew up in uh, Encinitas. Uh, it was a nice little town. I know and Encinitas. A lot yeah. of the surfers live there. Yeah, yeah. Some of the skaters do. Yeah, skaters surfers lacrosse players I, I was none of those because I was a little dweebus um, <laughs> and I, I you know just like went to school I read my books <laughs> I was a big fan of the the series Redwall in which did you have a speech impediment no I didn't you're being very insensitive no it's me. no it's like wearing a retainer you know oh, not a speech impediment but the retainer okay, like you got fair. the retainer That's in your fair. mouth and yeah. you're like, like and I read Redwall and they go on mouse adventures <laughs> Um, 
I yeah, mean, dude, I'm gonna go hit some waves. Are you into that kind of thing? I'm just about at this, the time the the mouse Matthias is about to defeat them with a legendary sword. <laughs> no, that's I, great. Yeah, uh, there's gonna be some orcas <laughs> out there if you want to go check that out. Orcas? You mean you mean the species of whale? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was, I mean, I was very into nature and animals and nerdy pursuits. And yeah, I mean, I I think I was just, um, I don't know, I was kind of a nerd and very, like, I was super into school, which sounds weird, but, uh, and I wasn't, it wasn't like a goal I had from a young age I wasn't like a Lisa Simpson type like sounds like you definitely were no it was it was more of a just like I was out there with my hands in the earth I'm like I found a bunch of worms (laughs) and I I would get really excited about things like that and uh, I was also you know who are you looking at your hands just in the dirt and then you're saying this to yourself no no my mom like look mom worms that's great dear but look how many (laughs) once i collected a jar full of of mosquito larvae which are aquatic and i found them in like a what age are you here i would say i'm like five or six six maybe and i I found these these larvae and i found them in like a pool of water i'm like i was like i found a i thought i discovered like a new species of like water uh, water creature like some kind of little water fairy and mosquito larvae are actually quite interesting because they can be these like little corkscrew shapes and they can kind of like twirl around in the water I was like fascinating I was like wow these are amazing I'm like well, look mom I found these beautiful water things she's like that's nice honey but um those are mosquito larvae so if you could not keep those in the house that might be preferable <laughs> <laughs> so was your were your parents well educated as well i don't think yeah. i would have or anyone in my family would know what mosquito larvae look i think like. she, she might have had to look it up i don't i don't quite remember but I, um yeah my mom um i mean in kind of i guess although my mom when she was in school she did study psychology so i did kind of follow that but the the animal uh the the animal stuff plus the the comedy stuff is kind of new uh but like yeah my mom studied psychology and um she uh went to oxford she's not british but she definitely brought back a lot of the um (laughs) the the british culture like now we're gonna watch masterpiece theater and watch (laughs) some poirot and agatha christie but and my dad is at ucsd and he does uh oceanographic research he's a um, that actually works at the Institute of Oceanography and the Ocean Wave Physics Group. Um, and it, yeah, he does a lot of engineering, designing sonar, uh, and going on these research things. I, I, these like uh, basically like expeditions on the boat. He's very. Have you saw the Life Aquatic? Like mm-hmm. he's like a sort of a Steve Zissou Sweet. figure. Yeah, but he, he is, is he eccentric like that. I wouldn't call him eccentric. I would say he's, um, I'd say he's like very creative, but I, I, no, not, not like, not like eccentric, like crazy, like (laughs) just like, just really fun, like funny, fun and like really creative, uh, you know, and and he loves that movie. He does love the life aquatic. uh, And, and like he gave him is really funny because he loves, he's like, oh, now I get to like joke, like with the interns, like, oh, we're going to lose an intern, you know, and likes to joke around with, uh, you know, tell them they're going to fall overboard or something. I don't know. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, and and it's really it's really interesting. So it's not it's not to be confused with like um, studying um, marine biology, which is it is actually he works with a lot of marine biologists. They often when they're out on a, a research trip, like they'll often kind of cross pollinate there. Like they're studying the ocean physics, so like the way that waves work, the way that water mixing works, the physics of of water and the um, they'll have these sonar and instruments that go deep into the ocean and measure things like temperature, salinity, the the movement of the water mm-hmm. uh, and, and water mixing. And they make these really interesting discoveries, um, especially critical now with global warming. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. I've, I've got really cool parents. It sounds like it. Yeah. So were they kind of mellow? Did they just fold down a corner of the newspaper when you got into Harvard or was it like a big deal? <laughs> it was, I mean, yeah, it was exciting. Like, like, um, actually, my brother got in, like, before me, so kind of stole my thunder. No, no. Wow. Uh, but he, no, like, they were very excited. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding about that. Like, they were very, very excited for me. And I mean, like, we were all, like, kind of completely, like, our breath was taken away when my brother got in. Um, we hadn't really thought that would happen. Um, we weren't really, like, I don't know. Like, my, my parents very much stressed education, but they weren't like, and you must get into Harvard. They're just like, yeah, like a UC would be great. Like get into like a, a UC and not, not to say that like UCs are not like, like I, I love the UC system. I think they're excellent schools. It's just like, obviously it's like the, the, the admission rate is like really tricky. It's like a yeah. lot of, I would say a huge amount of luck as well. Like, mm-hmm. just knowing, what, like, not even knowing, but, like, managing to, like, check off the boxes that they're looking for at that time, and then, like, just the luck of the draw of the So, what did person. you have as far as target places? I really wanted five? to go to UCLA. Um, that was, I think UCLA was my top one. Um, I still love UCLA. <laughs> I think it's an excellent, excellent school. I would have been extremely happy to go there um i was actually a little <laughs> this sounds stupid well maybe it doesn't sound stupid but it like i was actually a little bit sad that because like uh with harvard i was like well it's it's you know it's very prestigious so i should go there and i, I was happy to go because my brother was there too and I, I knew what a great school it was but i was also a little sad that it was like well but i was really excited about ucla too <laughs> um but yeah i mean it, it's I think I, I, I can't, I mean, like, obviously, you know, like there are the, the boxes you check off, like the good test scores, doing well in school, um, you know, not being a dick to your teachers is really important. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, you know, actually, having an interesting essay, the referencing, yeah, being yeah. psyched about finding worms. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, at the time, I was like interested in computer science, and that's what I thought I would go into. But I kind of, as I was taking classes, my interest shifted. But um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, I, I think um, a lot of it is just sort of like you happen to look out with like what admissions officer is looking at you, and I mean, obviously, like there's a lot of privilege involved. I mean, my I wouldn't say I like my family is like super wealthy, but like obviously, like you know, I have these two academic parents who like were had the resources to like raise me and give me a good education. That was like you know, so uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I mostly just feel really lucky. Like it's I wouldn't say it's like imposter syndrome. Like I understand that I 
you know, worked hard and stuff, but it's, I don't think it's like, to me, it's like, okay, I worked hard and then I was incredibly lucky. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it's like, and then that was just like one kind of stage in my life. And now I've squandered all of that to do <laughs> dumb things on podcasts. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That would make sense why you're, I kept noting the level of effort you were putting into your podcast. You know, to me, it's a sweet life in that, you know, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into making them, mm-hmm. but overall, like just kind of sitting down and yeah. shooting the breeze is appealing. Whereas yours was like a scripted, well-researched <laughs> thing where I was like, oh man, this would take all the fun out of it for me. <laughs> but I, I, I totally saw the love appeal reading of it. about worms. Just love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is like, I, I'm actually like, it's funny. Cause I think that, um, I come off as very studious. It is difficult for me to focus on a thing for more than 15 minutes at a time. <laughs> I, I don't, uh, I, you know, I think it is actually a struggle sometimes for me to do the notes writing, but I, I think it's like what I want to do is, first of all, I really want to understand a thing. And obviously I'm sometimes going to make mistakes and, and misstate things, but as much as I can, I want to present an accurate picture. Mm-hmm. And that means that is necessitates a lot of research because like for example I was like gonna talk about uh, plover birds like cleaning the teeth of crocodiles and I was like I've always heard of this as a thing and I'm interested in like talking about this and like weird animal relationships I looked into it and like there's no evidence of that actually occurring like on a wider scale like it, it's like it may just be not true at all it, like it's there's certainly not an abundance of evidence that suggests that it's true that they have this mutual relationship and that it's not just like I feel like I've seen footage though of them with their mouths open and the birds like right right but it could just be like kind of a random like you know the bird kind of like flits in there and then flits out and like it's not like they they actively seek it out or something and like some of the photographs are like not even quite accurate or so it's like I don't know I wouldn't say that it's necessarily not true you can't really prove a negative but it is like um, not something that was like, okay, well, this is much more complicated than <laughs> I thought it was. So I'm not going to go on the show and be like, yeah, these birds, they go in there. And, yeah. you know, they're like bird dentists. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find that uh, pilot fish clean the teeth of sharks. And pilot fish are little fishy friends that swim alongside sharks and other large um, aquatic animals like whales and turtles and rays. And they will... Uh, you know buddy up with with the shark and the shark doesn't attack them and then they will like pick off parasites and eat scraps from their food and sometimes the sharks even let them like get in their mouths and pick pick stuff out of their teeth not necessarily as dentistry i don't know if like there's any benefit to the shark but they're just like chill about it i love that. we've been swimming a while here and uh you, you leave a lot of food in your teeth i can feed my whole family for i know like a week. bit of spinach in your mouth actually looks like a piece of a person's finger can i uh, get it out of there <laughs> what do you say i jump in there clean up yeah okay <laughs> be quick about it don't let my buddies see you <laughs> yeah it's so i don't I, and obviously i actually Sometimes people write in and they're like, hey, you said this and actually like there's some nuance to it or like something else. And I, you know, obviously there's that initial minute of like, who are you to tell me? Oh, no, no, you're right. I'm totally wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I I really I do appreciate that. And I feel like I learn a lot by 
trying to fact check myself and by like looking all these things and checking my assumptions. So it's like, you know, so and I know that I want it to be accurate and in depth and, and give people information they haven't heard before. So it's like. Um, I, I enjoy research to a certain extent. It is does get <laughs> hard after a while, but it's something I think that's really important for a thing where I'm like, you know, like, hey, like I studied this and I don't want to be like, okay, yeah, I studied this in college and now I've not looked into it at all. Yeah. And here's, I don't know, I think birds are cool or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie Golden, this was uh, terrific. I don't know if you have more time. I don't want to take up your whole afternoon. We could yeah. do some bonus chatting. Bonus or, um, chats. How about, uh, what's your favorite insect? Oh, we'll pick that up in a bonus chat. Bonus chat. All right. What a terrific guest. And yes, as you heard, we're going into bonus content. She asks me a question. I ask her several. It goes much longer than the 15 minutes. She was a great sport about it. Uh, She had a lot of interesting information about mammals of all sort, particularly our dog. I said particularly twice this episode. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but I, I felt like I was keeping her. I felt bad about that. But she was a great sport, sticking around, and hopefully have her on the show again eventually because I just think she was great to chat with. And in uh, in the bonus, we get a little more into the philosophical nature of things and some of the, the questions that I ask of the guest. Um, we went in-depth into those in the bonus. So again, if you support the show on Patreon, it makes a big difference. Uh, I really appreciate it. If you uh, have reviewed or rated the show on Apple Podcasts, there I think we're slowly approaching that number with Patreon people, which is great. Patreon, the number one way to do it. Two, you can leave a review or uh, a rating. That helps the algorithm. And uh, three, you can just tell a friend. Tell even one person if you like this show. Uh, that would certainly help. If you have suggestions for the show, you can go to thespacecave.com and see photographs of guests and beer and things like that. And uh, you can also email pings at thespacecave.com if you have suggestions for beer, topics, guests, music, etc. Happy to share that, look into it. I've done that a number of times, so thanks to those of you who have reached out. If you'd prefer to quietly just be in the distance and appreciate the show from afar, you don't have to do anything. But as I mentioned, the things bef- uh, prior, those all help. So I appreciate any support for this show. I really would like to keep it ad-free. I just think in a world that is constantly uh, bombarding you with advertisements, that's the only one I'll make on this show. I try to keep it as minimal as possible. I appreciate that you listen. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks to Rob, Cr- uh, Rob Crow for the theme song and Dan Pritchard for editing the show from the goodness of his heart down down under in Australia. And hopefully we'll get enough people subscribing where we can start uh, kicking Dan a little extra cash every month. That'd be terrific. Okay, let's get out of here. This is a song called Domino. It's by Corridor. They're from Montreal, Quebec. Hope you like it. I think it's great. Uh, thanks for stopping by the Space Game. <laughs>